Our gospel lesson today comes from the gospel of Luke in the 18th chapter. I'll begin reading in the first verse. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused. But afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice, so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And he, and will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, he will, will he find faith on the earth? This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So as this text ends with a a question from Jesus, I'll begin with a question. And that question is this. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? I mean, it seems like part of the human experience must be known as waiting. I did some, uh, just a tiny bit of research about waiting this week. On average, most Americans will sit at a red light for four months of their life. (laughs) Four months. On average, average, most Americans will spend this year 13 hours on hold. I hear the moaning, yes. The average person spends five years of their lives waiting in line for something. Five years. Waiting is part of life. But waiting, and Jesus knows this, and that's why we get this parable. Waiting is hard. I mean, it's even hard when it's something fun, when you're waiting in line at Disneyland. It's even hard when you're uh, waiting for your uh, team to make the playoffs. And when they finally do, and they're losing, have you ever seen this? The crowd leaves early. I mean, after all that waiting. A friend of mine drives bus in uh, the city of Seattle, and on one occasion when a football team there uh, were losing pretty badly in a playoff game, uh, he 
along with many other bus drivers, had their buses lined up for the commute after the game. But uh, long before the game was over, uh, the buses started filling up with uh, members of the crowd, his included, and people started heading home. Only several miles down the road, listening to the game on the radio and on their devices there on the bus, uh, to hear the miraculous comeback on the bus, on the way home, when they were inside the stadium. And so, the truth of this parable, 155 words in English, 145 words in Greek, is simple. It's simple. Don't give up. Hang on. Don't be found on the bus on the way home when the miracle is coming. And so Jesus asks this piercing question at the end uh, of this parable after having shared it. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Will he find us having faith? Or will we be on the bus on the way home? Or as one commentator put it, will we pray? Because that's what faith looks like in this parable as Jesus teaches us. Or will we perish? Listen, Jesus knows waiting is hard and that's why he gave us this parable. He gives us this parable to remind us that a miracle comeback is coming. And you and I are called to hang on. And hanging on looks like prayer. Jesus shocks us with this parable too. I mean, God is compared to an unjust judge. Probably in that culture in that day, a local municipal judge would have been a Jewish leader in the community. Someone who would have been upstanding in the synagogue. And so to have someone in that role not care about the word of God, and much less even more, not care about what people think of him. I mean, at least most of us care about one of those two things, right? We're either concerned about our image and what others think, or we're concerned about the very truth and word of God. This guy was neither. And this is the one that gets compared to God? This is a parable of comparison and how much more and how much greater our God is if this unjust judge who the word for bothering and the word there for being beat down by the widow is literally given in Greek, given a black eye, right? It was harming his self-interest. So he relented. It wasn't altruism that got him to help the widow. 
It was because it wasn't good for him. And frankly, we live in a world where it feels like, I mean, I'm sure it's not a stretch. I'm sure you can't think of any politicians today that fit that category, right? We live in a world where it feels like folks don't care about the truth of God's word and don't care about other people. And when our neighbors don't care about truth, when they don't even care uh, what others think of them, when a generation has been told that uh, the, the purpose in life is to find themselves instead of being found by the one who created them, then we are often shocked in this world today. Does anyone care about truth, about justice? In so many ways, the world feels, because of that, out of control. Out of control because folks aren't listening to the one true God with the truth of his word that defines who we are and shapes how we're called to be and live. And here is a guy like that showing up in Jesus' parable as the hero? I'm not so sure, right? But then Jesus decides to keep shocking us in this testimony, in the parable, because uh, the other person that doesn't seem like much of a hero but then shows up and seems like Uh, they're doing the right thing, is a widow. Now, you must understand that in this culture and in this context, widows were considered to be the weak among the weak, the helpless among the helpless. Widows had to be cared for. The only thing they could do is ask for help. And so then we keep on asking, what is Jesus saying here? This is a parable of comparison, remember? In an age that seems out of control and it's taking way too long for the Son of Man to return and vindicate and make all things new, we discover that once again God defines justice and the God who defines justice, won't he be greater than this unjust judge? And the God who cares not just for the widow, as the Bible tells us he does, but also, as we hear in this text, for his chosen elect. For we are much more than just helpless. We are his chosen elect, all those in Christ Jesus. How much more will he listen to his chosen ones? And so he says to those who feel like getting on the bus because this waiting in this broken world feels too long, he says, hang on and keep praying. Even when you're praying in the world around you and it seems like, is is God just being silent when you pray for healing and healing doesn't come on this side of heaven? Jesus says, hang on, vindication is coming. There's going to be a miracle finish. 
when you pray for uh, finances or a job or a need for you or your family and it feels like it, the situation is hopeless? Does God even care about my circumstances? He says, hang on. I'm coming back again. And when the world just seems too messed up, who will ever get this right? It's messed up here and there and over there. And even in my own family, we say sometimes, where can there be true righteousness and truth and justice? Justice. This text tells us the vindicator is coming. Hang on. Now this, this parable is not a parable to teach us to do a better job at pestering God, all right? You know, uh, God, did you forget about this? Did you forget about that? Uh, let me convince you to do uh, what you say you want to do. That's not what this parable is about. It's not a convincing or a pestering parable. In fact, if, if we take it like that, then you and I become the hero. And in a book I'm reading about parables, scandalous uh, parables, there's an uh, introduction by uh, Chad Bird. And he said this, and uh, I think it's good for us to remember, it's a good rule of thumb. If you find yourself uh, in the position of hero in any parable, then you know you've got it wrong. Because the one who is bringing the miracle finish is the hero. And the point is that how much more, how much greater will our good and just God bring vindication and listen to his chosen people? And by the way, as he's telling this parable, the scripture tells us he's on his way to Jerusalem. He's going to do the most scandalous thing ever. He's going to the cross. An upside down plan. Even more upside down than a meek widow getting her prayer answered by an unjust judge. According to this parable, as scholars will point out, God will soon vindicate the saints. But because of the cross, in the next parable, if you keep reading in Luke 18, you'll find out that God will even come to vindicate the sinner. So friends, today I say to you and to me, don't leave the game early. Jesus is talking to those who have been taught to pray, thy kingdom come. And so he says, keep praying. Let's pray for our neighbors. Maybe you live nearby in one of the apartments around here. I've been praying for our neighborhood and our friends and neighbors that they would know Christ and be welcomed here. Let's pray for our families, especially those who don't yet believe. Let's trust that God has a miracle finish. 
Let's pray for this congregation and the church of Christ and its mission. Yes, even in a crazy world. Yes, even after a pandemic. Let's pray that God would do what he promises to do as we gather before God and with each other. And then be prepared, equipped by his word to bring it to those we encounter. And so we pray for that equipping in the fellowship of saints as we gather here again. We pray for the people in line with you waiting. We pray, yes, even for our enemies, those who disregard God and disregard others like the unjust judge, those who really get under your skin, Jesus says, pray for them. Scandalous love with an amazing gospel. You see, praying is not a disengagement from the, the world. It's a, it's a deep engagement. For when we pray, we invite the only one who can bring about the true vindication to do his work. When we pray, it also changes our hearts. It changes how we live. And so we act and take a step in faith because we know we don't go alone. The God who's bringing the miracle finish is with us. And so we come confessing and believing. There's a preacher talking about this text and he gave uh, this analogy and I'll share it with you. It would be as if a doctor told a dying patient, there is a treatment for your ailment, but it's on the other side of the river and you're going to have to go across Paseo del Norte in the middle of traffic both ways, right? And it's going to cost you a lot of trouble and it's very expensive, but it'll save you from dying. But I don't know if you really want to do that. And of course, the patient would be, of course, I'll go through that trouble to save my life. Unless you don't believe what the doctor is saying, unless you don't believe that doctor, unless you don't believe that that machine that they have at that one facility will actually do what he says it will do. So when Jesus calls us and even commands us to pray here, we pray, and if we don't pray, it's if we're saying to Jesus, I don't really believe what you're saying. And I don't think that that miracle finish that you keep talking about is really going to happen. And so we ask again, for the Holy Spirit to give us that gift of faith and see that even in the waiting and even in the midst of difficulty, God is at work. As we've heard testimonies, in the midst of being separated by COVID, we hear of people coming to faith and returning to the Lord's table before they die on our live stream. We see people coming back in person and inviting others again. We see a, a renewed vigor for those who gather knowing how critical it is having missed it. 
we start paying attention on who's in line with us and learn that those are folks that need to hear the grace of God. And all this promise from the cross is guaranteed when Jesus rose from the dead for the Son of Man will bring the vindication. He will have the miracle finish. And our enemies that we face in this world, as one pastor put it, they're not immortal. But God is. Yes, waiting is hard. It is painful. And yes, we're tempted to leave early. In fact, the scripture even describes the church in Galatians and in Isaiah as feeling like we're widowed. The widowed people of God. But the scripture also says, but one day there will be a final reception. A wedding. And on that day, there will be no tears. God's love and vindication will reign. Our God is so much more than an unjust judge. We aren't just widowed. We're a chosen elect people. That's why, as we heard in First Peter last week, we can cast all our anxieties onto him. And so we keep praying. And let it refocus us as we pray to live as God is calling us with him and with each other and to proclaim the good news of the gospel to a world that desperately needs it. Friends, I beg you, I implore you, don't leave the game early. Answer the call. Don't follow the way of the world like this unjust judge. Let Jesus be the vindicator so we can trust in him even when he seems silent. So we can gather with God's people even when we, his people, are imperfect. So that we can love those we encounter, even those who are enemies. By preaching the gospel to everyone we encounter. We can pray, thy kingdom come. Jesus is telling us and calling us to persevere that the miracle finish is on the way. Pray or perish by God's grace and power. Persevere. Amen.